Welcome to Impact, where we focus on helping you grow a business that amplifies your unique genius, multiplies your income, and transforms lives. Each episode, you'll discover an actionable framework based on what's working right now for top brands and thought leaders. In this episode, I'll share three new techniques for getting past perfectionism, procrastination, and overwhelm so that you can finish doing more of the essential things in your business, as well as focus more on the things you love doing. Hello, friends. I hope you're doing well. You know, as a business owner and thought leader, there are inevitably going to be times when you procrastinate a task or a project, despite the fact that it's significant to your business, it's important to your goals. And there are many different reasons why we procrastinate. Of course, two of the most common are perfectionism and overwhelm. And I can certainly attest I have plenty of experience with both of those things. Procrastination is especially frustrating when the task you're avoiding is actually something that's important to what you want to do, to what you want to accomplish. And in fact, maybe part of you even wants to do and complete that task or project. Perhaps you want to write a book but you find it challenging just to sit down and write regularly. Or perhaps you want to attain more clients, but you struggle to get started doing consistent outreach. Or perhaps you want to meditate so that you can enjoy increased mental clarity or mindfulness and awareness, but you find it difficult even to do a 10-minute meditation. These are all examples of the ways that procrastination can affect the progress in our business towards the goals that are most important to us. So in this episode, I want to share with you a set of questions that I ask myself that have been especially effective in eliminating overwhelm and eliminating perfectionism. And then ultimately, when those are the culprits, eliminating the procrastination that they lead to. And these are questions you can ask yourself and you. So that is the framework that I'd like to share with you today. As usual, I've prepared a downloadable guide to go along with this episode. It contains a summary of what I'm about to share with you. So you have a quick reference to look back at if you would like to implement this in your own business. You can download that right now by going to impactdownloads.com forward slash procrastination. The three procrastination busting techniques that I want to share with you today are relatively simple. In fact, this consists of three sets of questions or three questions that you ask yourself in those moments that you realize you've been procrastinating a task. And again, it's something you want to get done. It's vital to your goals. There may even may even be part of you that that uh, will enjoy or at least enjoy the outcome that comes from doing the task. But for one re- reason or another, um, and in this case, it's usually overwhelm or perfectionism. That's what these questions are meant to uh, fight against or mitigate. That you ask each of these three questions and see what kinds of solutions present themselves as a as a result of asking yourself these three questions. For each of these questions, I have a story or an example to go along with it to illustrate how I've employed it in my own business or how clients have employed it in their business uh, to get good results to help illustrate how you can also apply it to get those results of uh, removing that procrastination for yourself as well. Last year, as of the time that I'm recording this episode, I moved from Manhattan to Brooklyn in New York City. I found a fantastic two-story brownstone 
to rent. Just the exact kind of thing that I've wanted to find and live in for quite a while here in New York City. So I was very excited about that. Of course, as with many of these older brownstones, there's always things you discover when you move in that you need to take care of, or just with really any apartment, there might be things that have been uh, left behind by the last tenants and uh, not completely taken care of by the landlords. And in this case, I found myself one day uh, staring at an organic, uh, a pile of organic refuse in the corner, back corner of our yard. And, uh, you know, it was contributing to a bug problem. So it was something I really did want to get done because I liked sitting in the backyard. I liked doing calls in the backyard, but the little bench that we have there is right next to this pile of you know twigs and leaves and composting stuff. And that's right where the mosquitoes and the other bugs like to crawl and, and fly around, partly because of this, uh, this pile there. Of course, it just kind of grossed me out to think about what might be crawling inside, the, the creepy crawlies, so to speak. Now, one day after a couple of months have gone by and I procrastinated that task and thought of, you know, all the times that, man, this was either reducing my enjoyment of the backyard or even keeping me sometimes from going out into our little backyard, uh, I decided, man, it's time that I, I do something about this. And so I employed the first technique that I want to share with you, and that is to ask, what is one small task I can do first? Or what is the smallest next action that will put this project into action? So in this case, I decided in that moment, I said, look, I give myself permission to not have to clean the entire thing up right then and there. I just told myself, you know, Jason, all you need to do is walk inside, grab one of the gardening gloves, grab a trash bag, come outside, grab one handful, put it in the bag. And if you want, you can put the bag down and come back to it later. And at least the bag's out, at least the the garden gloves out, and at least you got a little bit of momentum. And that would have been fine if that's what had happened and I just stopped there. Because again, at least it would have been easier to pick back up where the task left off next time. But of course, what happened is what happens often, in fact, this is a law of physics, and that is that a body in motion tends to stay in motion. It creates momentum or inertia when you approach a task like that. So as I picked up one pile and put it in, and and that was something I was able to jump into relatively easily because I had reduced it down to this like, okay, this is so ridiculously simple. Grab a bag, grab a glove, put one handful in that the friction had been removed, the starting friction. And friction, again, in physics is what keeps bodies from moving. So a car, you know, it needs gasoline to overcome the friction of the surface on which which it's uh, moving, right? And so I had removed the friction of the overwhelm, thinking about, oh, the creepy crawlies inside this pile and and the fact that it's just going to be an unpleasant task for a while. The truth is it only ended up taking probably five to seven minutes, right? How often is that the case? We put something off that really is going to be relatively quick. But because I created that inertia or that momentum, I put the one pile of handful into the bag and I immediately found myself reaching down and grabbing another and another and another and another and five to seven minutes later, it was done. And I was relieved to finally have this thing that had honestly been, you know, sapping just little bits of energy every time I'd think about it, every time I would see it. And here I had employed this technique to finally get myself into motion and create that momentum that often will just continue. So how can you apply this in your business? Well, another time here in my business, and this is a very simple example, I decided I want to write a book. And this might be for you, you know, you need to sit down and write a newsletter, a piece of content, book, whatever the case may be. 
And, and what I gave myself permission to do, because I found myself, you know, I made that decision. I was excited. I wanted to get started. And how often do we make that kind of decision? But then that first step, which would be to sit down and write, uh, you know, I already knew what I wanted to write about. And so that, well, at least the next step for me was just to sit down and write something. And I was kind of dreading that, uh, staring at the blank page. I was dreading, well, what if I find out that I don't have as much to say as I thought I did? You know, all the, all the things that go through my mind, the overwhelm of writing an entire book, the perfectionism of, I knew that I'd sit down and, and start, uh, even though you're supposed to write without editing at first, it's really hard for me. It takes a lot of energy for me to write and not kick in that uh, editing part of my brain. And so all of these things, again, perfectionism, overwhelm, were leading to procrastination of starting a book. An important goal for me, something I wanted to get started on and accomplish because it was key to a number of things, a number of my future plans in my business. So again, I gave myself permission and I asked myself, what is just one small task I can do first just to set this thing in motion? So I said, you know what? I'm going to open a blank document. I'm going to title it, just some working title for the book. I could even just call it book. And I'm going to write two sentences. It could even be one sentence. And in that case, I decided two sentences. And that's it. And if I wanted to, I could stop at that point. At least I would have something to go back to. Or knowing that I would be creating momentum, there was likely that it would continue for me as well. And lo and behold, I wrote those two sentences. I had the document open, wrote those two sentences, and it was easy to go to a third sentence and then a fourth sentence. And I'm not saying that, you know, the whole page just flowed right out of me, but again, there was enough inertia, enough momentum that I continued with the task and stopped procrastinating it. So that's the first of the three techniques or questions I want to share with you. What is one small task that you can do first? Or what is the one small next action that you can do first? Because we can really get stuck zooming out too much. And that's when the overwhelm starts, starts kicking in and overloading our brain and short circuiting, trying to arrange in order or just think about and handle all of those different details. You know, if I'm thinking about, oh, I got to have a, you know, an outline, a table of contents, I got to do this, that, I have to do some research, I need to write a thousand words a day, I need to, and I was just giving myself that permission, like, what really is that next step that can take? And I would suggest that it should take five minutes or less to do, or write around five minutes to do. And so in this case, writing a book was just to open a document, title it, and write two sentences. So what is the equivalent of that for you given a specific task? One is one small task you can do first or next action that you can do next to create that momentum and overcome inertia. The second technique I want to share with you or the second question that I want to submit for you to try whenever you're facing procrastination is to ask yourself, what would make this easier? Now, I actually have kind of two different versions of this question. Sometimes I ask myself, what would make this easier? But a similar question is, how can I make this work for me? I think so often we end up thinking that for something, for, for a pursuit, for an activity to have value, it needs to feel hard or difficult. That There's this whole, this whole old-fashioned work ethic of, yeah, it's like that sweat and toil that has value, which is not necessarily true. I mean, sure, some things will require, you know, sweat and, you know, that sweat equity and whether that's physical or, or mental, creative, but so often we're making things harder for ourselves, either because we're trying to do it the way someone else has done it and told us that you have to do it this or else, do it this way or else. So we just make that assumption when the truth is we could get a similar or same result by just modifying the approach a little bit for ourselves. 
So let me go ahead and give you an example here. Again, last year, I started going through The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And I'll include a link to that if you want in the show notes, if you, or if you want to check that out. Perhaps you've heard of The Artist's Way, and if not, maybe you've heard of Morning Pages, which is a, a morning journaling activity. The Artist's Way is, a, I believe it's a three-month process you go through, and she has weekly Uh, tasks for you. She has you journal every day. She has you do these creative, what she calls dates with yourself. And then she gives you certain prompts and things to think about, uh, affirmations and such like that. And the whole goal is to have like, uh, to dig up some creative juice or to have a creative breakthrough or just kind of get some flow going. And so this is something actually that for a number of years, I had wanted to make a habit, journaling in the morning, whether it was using morning pages or not. The problem is every other time I had started this process, it only lasted a few days. And that's because it just felt slow and laborious. Now, here's the reason why. I felt like I had to be really tidy with my handwriting. Now, there's a lot in that for me. It's certainly perfectionism showing up, making it, and you know, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, what if I want to be able to refer back to this and read it in the past? I need to make it tidy so I know what I was saying. But also when I got clear with myself about what I was trying to get out of the journaling, it was really like the, just the process of doing it, getting things out of my mind, letting my mind just kind of flow for three pages. That, uh, I guess I failed to explain morning pages. You sit down and you just start writing and you don't stop writing. It's kind of free writing, right? For three pages in a journal. And rather than get hung up on the niceness of the handwriting or is this a big page or a small page or am I cheating if I go to every other line or not in, I don't know, maybe you're thinking these things are silly or maybe you're listening to me nodding your head going, yeah, I totally get sucked into things like that as well. And unfortunately, many times in the past, it had kept me from continuing this particular habit that I wanted and enjoying the benefits that I knew that it could give me if I could just keep going. Well, last year, I finally gave myself permission to sit down and just write in whatever messy way I wanted, even if it was not recognizable to me when I went back later, that just having done it and gone through the process of it, at least at first, was going to be plenty for me. And I can always rethink it later. The truth is I'm, I'm still now doing it now. I mean, that, that's the point here is that this time it's stuck. And multiple months later, I'm still employing this journaling in the morning. And it's been hugely beneficial to me. And it was just making that tweak of well, what would make this easier? I was making it too hard on myself. I was thinking, in fact, I was even adding in criteria that Julia Cameron doesn't even talk about in terms of the niceness of your handwriting. Now, this ties back also to, you know, in childhood, I actually have this memory of being in second or maybe third grade and learning cursive writing and having the teacher give me some critique on the niceness of my cursive and it needed to be more slanted. And, you know, my, <laughs> I don't know, that just stuck in my brain. And it, it's been, you know, one little of those childhood experiences that can stick with you. And of course, in telling it back to you, it seems like such a small thing. Uh, but there are you know, a number of experiences like that in your childhood, I'm sure, if you find yourself as a perfectionist. So it's, it's interesting that it was a handwriting thing that was keeping me from this uh, particular task. Now, funny enough, I recently had a page that was particularly just all over the place in the handwriting. Like there, I looked back at it and there was nothing legible on it. I mean, maybe one or two words. 
And I went ahead and I took a picture of it just for fun because I thought it was kind of interesting. And I'd, you know, thankfully gotten to where I wasn't judging myself for my messy handwriting uh, or maybe to prove also that I was, it wasn't being self-conscious about my messy handwriting. And I posted the page, a picture to social media, Instagram and Facebook just saying, Hey, I want to sh- I give, I give you here my morning pages, uh, check out this, uh, handwriting just kind of as a, as a fun or, or funny thing. And I immediately got these really interesting responses, you know, people saying, yeah, you know what? I always tried to do morning pages, but it, you know, that basically they kind of resonated with that. And they're like, wow, if I just did it that way, maybe I would actually stick to it. And that was without me even prompting that, that a couple of people said, wow, this is really cool. Thank you. That's giving me permission to go ahead and do it in this messy way, you know, so shout out to my fellow perfectionists there who resonated with that. I had somebody else responding and said, yeah, yeah, that's exactly how my journaling is. And in fact, I find that I'm most in flow when my handwriting hits a state where it's, you know, just all over. So I just asked myself, what would make this easier? Now you might be wondering, well, Jason, what if you did have that breakthrough? Would you not be, then that would prevent you from going back and looking at it, right? Well, that's why I just kept keeping a pad of paper next to me. And if I happen to have those one or two thoughts that are like, oh, wow, that was really cool. I just wrote it down in nicer handwriting on that pad and then came immediately back and started writing in whatever messy handwriting I wanted to. So ask yourself, what would make this easier? This helps you, again, zoom out, maybe question what the criteria or givens are or expectations that you've put on yourself that just aren't needed. You know, check in with like, what's my real goal here? What can I let go of? What could I shift? How could this best? And remember the alternative version of this question. How can I make this work for me. And what we're trying to avoid here is this idea of like, oh, I really want to do that, but I'll wait until the circumstances are just right. I'll wait until I do all of the research. I'll wait until I have all the exact right tools. I'll wait until I can learn how to do this in just the right way. And that kind of thinking is the very thing that led me to, uh, I I love succulents and I buy them, these little plants, right? Um, A number of years ago, I went to Michael's and bought all the stuff to make a nice little succulent garden. And that stuff sat in my closet for three years. I never made it. It was like a glass bowl and the little you know, like wooden feet to put on it and all the stones and all the, and the plants and everything. Never made it because I was waiting until, oh, I better do some little more research. I better wait until just the right time or whatever, right? That's what we want to avoid happening. How many opportunities do we do slip by? Ideas do we have that might lead to amazing uh, outcomes or fulfillment or enjoyment and yet we never get it because of procrastinating it to the point sometimes that it never even happens. Or if it does happen that we then wish, wow, I wish I'd had the benefits of this earlier. So, you know, we've all heard that phrase done is better than perfect. And this question is all about facing that perfectionism so that you get it done rather than worrying about it being perfect. I would also like to suggest another way of looking at this, which is When it comes to some things that we want to do or need to do to get a specific outcome, 50% of that thing or doing 50% of that thing is better than doing 100% of that thing. And what I mean by that is, for instance, the artist's way that I mentioned this 90-day, three-month process, and I said she has you do morning pages and all these other prompts and these affirmations and these other activities. The truth is, I actually narrowed that whole thing down and just said, you know what, rather than worrying about trying to do exactly what Julia Cameron says here, I'm going to do the morning pages and I'm going to do her weekly uh, creative date with myself, you know, where you give yourself an opportunity to explore, try new things and be inspired. 
And I said, the rest can wait. I can get around to it later. So in that case, I decided 50% of this process I've wanted to do for years is better than waiting until I do 100% in this perfect way that I've, that, you know, probably doesn't even exist and is certainly not even necessary. So that's our second question in this framework for overcoming procrastination by beating perfectionism and overwhelm is to ask yourself, what would make this task or this activity, this project easier for me? Alternatively, you can ask yourself, how can I make this work for me? That brings us to the third question I want to share with you, the third technique, which is to ask yourself, what would make this fun for me? Or if you're working in a team, it could be what would make this fun for my team, the people I'm collaborating with. And this ties in again to this idea often when we're working on a task that we feel like it needs to be hard or, you know, if there, if it's too much fun, then, you know, there's not enough sweat. We're not, it's that old work ethic thing again, this ruggedness. And that's just simply not true. At least most of the time. I mean, yes, sometimes things are going to be hard. You have to push yourself to, but so often we don't need the thing to be drudgery and we can find a way to offset, you know, maybe there is some difficult things about it. It is a challenge, but we can offset that by asking ourselves, what would make this fun? And then rather than dreading the parts that are not going to be fun for us, we build something in that's going to offset that and and entice us to get started because we're excited about this fun element that we're going to add. Let me give an example here to illustrate. This one refers to a client I was working with. And she was having trouble being consistent with her content marketing, with creating regular content. She said she was often just getting stuck in the process of creating. You know, she had ideas, but then sometimes she would sit down and just be, again, staring at a blank page. uh, And she wouldn't get around to to finishing the, the piece of content. And so I asked her, I said, well, when are the times that you do find it enjoyable to create content or even if it's not something that you think that you're creating content, but you're delivering value to, to somebody. And what we finally discovered or came to is the fact that she, she always loved teaching or coaching. You know, she was on the phone with somebody or when she was facilitating a group, delivering content was easy. You know, the energy of that interaction, the immediate feedback, the seeing the value being delivered in that moment was energizing to her. And she could just talk and talk and talk about a given subject when someone had a genuine interest or need at the time. And so I asked her, I said, well, who says that you need to sit down and write a blog post? Why can't that be a piece of content? And so we started brainstorming ways that we could make that true. So it'd be fun for her. We thought, well, one thing is you could bring someone in to be a a co-host of your podcast or your Facebook Live so that you'll always have somebody you're interacting with. Or maybe just doing a Facebook Live where there's people there interacting with you, maybe that's more appropriate. And of course, you can always repurpose that content, but that the initial creating of it is happening in a way that you get that fun, energizing element to it. Or we also thought about, hey, you could get permission sometimes to record certain uh, group groups that you facilitate or clients that client calls that you have and say, hey, would you mind? Maybe you anonymize it, maybe not, but you get permission either way to use that, whether that's as a podcast, whether that's, you know, to take it and get it transcribed, 
uh, I can remember a time that I did something like this too. I had an interesting discovery where I was supposed to write a sales email and I'd been procrastinating it through because of perfectionism, because of overwhelm, I was taking too much of the process in and so forth. And in fact, I got up against a deadline where I had very little time to write this email and it had to be done. And so thankfully I remembered and I asked myself this question, what would make this fun? Or, you know, alternately this could also be what would make this easier. And just in my thinking of it in that different way and using these questions, I had remembered just a few days before having a conversation with a colleague through Facebook Messenger about the very topic I needed to write on for my sales email. And so I went back into my history. I found that conversation and it was really good stuff. It was very authentic. I was delivering value. I was explaining something to them that they, because they were interested in, in this concept. And so I just copied that conversation. I pasted it into the document. Now, of course I needed to brush it up and edit it, edit it a bit, but I wasn't again, staring at a blank page. I was, it was springboard off of a process that was enjoyable to me. I, I, the, the content was stronger. It was better because I was enjoying that messenger conversation with my colleague. And now that brought that energy into the writing of an email by simply repurposing it. So that's a couple different examples of, you know, how to make it more enjoyable. So ask yourself, what would make this fun for me? What would make it more enjoyable? Sometimes it's uh, engaging my curiosity, allowing myself to bring in an element that I'm curious to learn about. It's like, oh, well, I can, if I just, you know, allow myself a little bit of time to research this thing that I'm intrigued about and fold that into what I'm doing, now that will make this activity enjoyable for me. Sometimes it's even buying or using a, a, a new tool of some sort. Going back to the journaling example, I allowed myself because I can be a little bit of a geek about this, I allowed myself to buy some fun new pens to use when I journaled. You know, I mean, really, I could have been using any pen, but something about the fact of going, you know what, that'll be playful or interesting or novel for me if I allow myself to go and buy a cool new fountain pen or a cool new, you know, to use in my journaling and insert or inject a little bit of that fun, fulfillment, enjoyability to this process that needs to be done. So that's the third question to ask yourself in order to overcome perfectionism, overwhelm, and ultimately procrastination for these important tasks that you need to get done in your business. So let's go ahead and review here. The first question that I propose for you to ask is what is one small task I can do first or next? Something that takes five minutes or less and give yourself permission to only do that. But if it creates momentum, great, continue. Number two question, what would make this easier? Or ask yourself, how can I wake, make this work for me? So zoom out, double check the criteria that you've, you're accepting as givens, the expectations you're putting on yourself that might not be necessary. The, uh, again, that hard work ethic that's just kind of blindly leading you to make a task harder than it is. Ask that question to flip it on its head and find a way to make it easier for you to, again, remove the friction. The third question to ask is what would make this fun? And this is engaging your intrinsic motivation, your intrinsic interest in something in order to provide fuel, you know, inject some motion into what it is that you are doing. What would make this fun? Those are three questions that you can use in today's framework that I'm offering up to you to help you eliminate procrastination, perfectionism, and overwhelm in the activities you do in your business. And actually, actually, for that matter, anywhere in your life, your personal life as well. You can use this with teams. You can use this with your kids. And 
you will find that it is a way to force your brain to reframe things and find a path forward. As always, I've created a downloadable reference guide to help you refer back to this framework and put it into action yourself. So if you'd like to download that, I believe it's a two-page document, but it has a question, some examples uh, to refer back to, go to impactdownloads.com forward slash procrastination. That'll be a page where you can just enter your email address there, sign up for my email newsletter, and I'll immediately send you the PDF. And I'll also send you other frameworks like this one to help you grow your thought leadership-based brand and business. That's it for this episode of Impact. Thank you for joining me. If you found this episode valuable, I'd love it if you would share it with a friend or colleague, or if you'd leave an authentic review on your favorite podcast listening platform. In the next episode, we'll discuss how to design an irresistible value proposition that will have your ideal customers scrambling to do business with you. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.